dear friends, as usual, I seek your kind permission to address ourselves as the children of the divine. That is our true original nature. Though it is not believable today, though it is not understood now, as of today and now, but the reality remains the same. We are the children of the divine. Either we call it in the words of made in the image of God, made for the serve, for the purpose of serving God, Kudaka Banda according to Islamic culture, or we are the pure existence, pure consciousness and divine ecstatic bliss, Satsurup, Chitsurup, Ananda Surup Atma. This is our true original nature. Some or other, down the line, we have forgotten that. And we feel ourselves as a small, petty human being, full of faults and foibles, follies and frivolities. That is what we are as of today. Vedanta teaches you how to outgrow this hold of ignorance about our true original nature. And it is performable, it is achievable, attainable, doable. It's not a woolly-headed idea because history proves that there are innumerable number of ordinary humans born to their parents. By educating themselves, exposing to such noble ideas, they have outgrown the limitation of this misidentification and they have been able to identify themselves as their true original nature. It is a process of evolution, a process of being and becoming. Yesterday, we developed several ideas to rationally and commonsensically convince us that there is nothing namby-pamby wishy-washy about it. It appeals to my common sense because I find in history there are people who are identified as men of God, the knowers of the self, so on and so forth. Why can't I be so? Provided I want to be so. So the Vedanta teaches you based on robust common sense, come out of your narrow groove of identifying yourself what you are not. Rather, lift your sense of identity from here to there. It's a process of being and becoming, process of a gradual evolution by getting rid of the hold of this misconception 
and that void that is created by vacating this misconception be filled up with awareness of your true original nature. This is the sum and substance of Vedantic teachings. And it says, this approach based on absolute human experience, this approach is all comprehensive. It is not a denomination. It's a non-denominational denomination. Because we can't think of anything which is non-denominational. So Swamiji used these words. This Vedanta movement, when he first started in San Francisco and New York, Swamiji explained in the Book of Rules or in the Constitution, though it bears the name of Vedanta, but Vedanta itself is universal in application. It applies to each and every human being. The denominations are nothing else but stepping stones to go beyond the limitations of limitations of denomination. A non-sectarian sect, a non-denominational denomination. Why? It is universal in its concept. So in Sanskrit language, Vedanta is spoken of as Sarvajanina Dharma. It is Dharma which applies to all. For that matter, you don't need to get rid of your denomination. Make use of that denomination to go beyond it. This is the secret of spiritual life. I start my spiritual life identifying myself with what I am today, my passport identity and my curricular wit. That is what I am. That is my identity. But each and every one says, my body. Does anybody say spontaneously, I body? <laughs> Nobody says so. All of us say, my body. It is something which I happen to own, which belongs to me. I have identified myself with a sense of ownership with this body. That means I am, from my spontaneous experience, I am something separate from this body. I own it as I own this angavastram of mine. I own this stick of mine. My body, nobody says I body. My mind, my intellect, my life force, they all belong to me. I am the owner and I have identified myself with things which are not myself. I own it. Who am I? I am aware. I am. That is what I am. Awareness of amness, awareness of existence. I am and the world is. Grammatically, 
amnes is existence, isness is existence. The underlying reality is an eternal existence. Call it as a holy ghost, the spirit. Call it Atman or Brahman. It's your choice. Call it Khuda or Ru. It's your choice. That reality is my true original nature. We spent an hour yesterday establishing this commonsensical, logical approach to the teachings of Vedanta so that we don't go home with this idea, Vedanta is a woolly-headed idea, full of superstitions and make-beliefs. No, Vedanta only tries to teach you to answer this perennial, perpetual question. Who am I? What am I? I keep on speaking about myself. I am, I am, I am. But unfortunately, I do not know who am I. As because I do not know in reality who am I, all woolly-headed ideas had filled up that void. I am the body. I am the mind. I am the intellect. I am this. I am that. What has happened? Ignorance of my true original nature has created a void of reality in reality and I fill that void with what I am not. This is what's happening to us. And that's a statement of facts of life. Now let us look at it from the other point of view. What is that point of view? For the time being, Hypothetically, you all agree with me. Yes, sir, I understand. I am. And I, I, I say, my body. So I am not this body, not this mind. Who am I then? Do I live in void? Who am I then? The answer to this question is to be found out by managing our a new way of self-education. Now, please kindly bear with me. Let us use our robust common sense. Forget about all cliches and all words which are tainted with the concept of spirituality. Let us see. Education. There are two types of education, as I told you yesterday. One education is the education regarding the material world and to demystify the mysteries of nature. That's a type of education known as scientific education and so on and so forth. End result of that education is we have a mastery on forces of nature and we make use of that forces to make our life living more convenient, more comfortable, more enjoyable. That is opera vidya, not so sublime. It is sublime, but not so sublime compared to the sublime knowledge. What is that sublime knowledge? Yaya tadaksharam adhigamyati, by means of which that immutable self 
of which I am always aware I am, that self is experienced in its true original nature. That is paravidya, the sublime knowledge. Vedanta is a part and parcel of that sublime knowledge. So, knowledge is acquired by learning. In tertiary education, knowledge is acquired by learning. How do we learn? We go to our teacher. He is supposed to be an authority on the subject and I am zero compared to him. So, I sit quietly and I listen to the words that he uses. The words convey a meaning which is nothing else but an idea and I latch myself to that idea. I am being informed that information is a part of education and I saturate myself with those ideas and I am being educated. That is what the process of education is, informative, educative, instructive and result-oriented. Similar approach is in our spiritual education. By contrast, it is the same. I read the Bible, I read the Quran, I read the Vedas, the Upanishads, the Gita, the Bhagavat, and all books, the five books of wisdom of Torah, Moses' creation, five books of wisdom. I read them. What is happening to me? I am exposing myself to the ideas contained in a written manner. And those words each and every word is saturated with an idea and I am exposing myself to that idea and I am convinced this is what I must do, this is what I must not do. A list of do's and don'ts. I am educating myself. I am told, don't get provoked. Don't be a victim of that passion known as anger. I'm told I have to put it into practice. Why? Because anger belongs to this human mechanism known as a propensity. Because the first casualty of anger is your power, your sense of propriety. You behave in a way which is not acceptable by the society or not acceptable by a cultured person. So education in the tertiary manner, school education, college education, university education and etc. etc. is nothing else but being well informed and having been well informed you absorb those ideas and you generate a wisdom. And you are educated because you have saturated those ideas within you. In spiritual matters, dear, these scriptures of all denominations, they are nothing but 
the experiences that people like you and me have made an endeavor to outgrow the hold of ignorance on me about my true original nature, to outgrow that hold, and they have succeeded. Having succeeded, they want to share with you their experiences of that journey. And I read that, and I absorb those ideas. I am educating myself. Now, all denominations say there is a reality behind the appearance. The reality is the divine, call it by any name, according to the denominations. Allah, Khuda, Musha, Isha, so on and so forth. Atman, Brahman, Ishwara. But they are nothing else but a concept of eternal reality which is manifest in this diverse world. And how is that so from commonsensical point of view? Let me tell you how it is so. I look in a particular manner. My looks are different from yours. My size and shape is different from yours. I have been christened with a name different from yours. I have certain personality qualities, excellences, certain personality faults. And I have an utilitarian value in this world. Take away these four pillars, what remains is I am. I exist. I am what I am. It was not that I was never. It will never be. I will be not. I am eternal. So you see, the diversity has four pillars to stand upon. Name, form, qualities, and utilitarian value. Take away these diversities, the spirit, the essence, essence of existence, the reality is the only reality which is perennial, eternal, infinite, immutable. I have to now educate myself by exposing myself to such character building man-making ideas which will improve the quality of my personality to make myself a better specimen of a human being. Now by contrast, scientific education or material education helps to improve the quality of life by presenting me with many conveniences and comforts and enjoyable things. My quality of life improves. That is what science is contributing to our civilization and our culture. Spiritual science, on the other hand, tells you, you are amassing so much of power and pelf 
so much of wealth and so much of other things. Are you competent enough to handle it properly? Are you not a victim of greed? Are you not a victim of jealousy? Are you not a victim of anger and passions and so on and so forth? Be honest with yourself. All this wealth, this power and pelf is at your feet. And you have not educated yourself to use it for the betterment of God's children. You think to put it in your pocket. Because you are subject to greed. So spiritual education teaches you to improve the quality of your personality. What does it mean? You have four faculties. Rationality, emotionality, ingenuity and indomitable willpower. We all humans are proud of these faculties. And to be truthful and honest, we are victims of our propensities. Six propensities. Kama, Krodha, Loba, Moha, Madhamatsat. Intense desire, anger, greed, confused thinking, vanity and pride, and jealous of being others' excellence. Jealousy. They reside in me. Because I am a victim of these propensities, I do not know how to use the wealth that is at my feet. And of all the wealth that we can think of, the wealth of being one with God is eternal. All other wealth is transitory. Now, you are to invest your time, your energy, your life to achieve something. Will you invest it on a transitory thing? Be rational. Your hard-earned money, you want to invest it so that the money works for you to bring you some return. You know how hard you have worked to save that money. Would you like to invest it in a place or in an area where there is no security and no return? You would like maximum security, maximum return. Your life is full of energy. That energy now needs to be diverted to improve the quality of our personality so that I am not a victim of these propensities. I have educated myself in such a manner that I am not provoked to anger or provoked to jealousy, to greed, to passions of desire and so on and so forth. I am qualitatively improving my personality, making myself a better specimen of a human being. This is what spiritual education is, and that is what material education is. They should join hands together. 
one cannot live with the other, cannot live without the other. Because our life is in a constant flow, we have our sense of duties, we have our sense of liabilities, our obligations, our hobbies. So let the life flow. But let it flow in a manner that I control its direction and I control its force and I have a total control on the energy that this physical, psychological entity generates. That is the wisest things to do. So, dears, coming back to the realities of life, Sri Ramakrishna taught Swami Vivekananda through a small incident. And I quote that incident now, how we can be a Vedantin, head held high in that abstract idea of oneness of the universe, and that is my true original nature. The Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Atman or the Brahman or the Sunyam or the Buddhist, the Torah of the Judas, the rule of Islamic sciences, that eternal existence. How can I achieve that goal, leading a so-called worldly life? And Vedanta gives you an answer. And that answer is in this small little incident that happened in presence of Narendranath when he was a student at the feet of Sri Ramakrishna in the Dakshineshwar temple garden. One day, a scripture was being read where the qualities to be a very good devotee of the divine was being described. There one word came in in printed matter. Jive Daya, compassion on your fellow beings. Compassion on your fellow beings. Sri Ramakrishna was listening, and as soon as that compassion on your fellow beings was read, he was stung by a scorpion, a scorpion as it were. He shuddered, stop, stop. Don't go further. He says, you, a mortal human being, full of faults and failures, foibles and frivolities, you, you will have compassion on your fellow being. Oh, it's absolutely abominable, not acceptable. What is acceptable then? He says, the attitude would be, Serve the divine everywhere as a humble, devoted servant of God, and God is everywhere. Ishiva Gyane Jiva Shiva. Seeing the divine everywhere, you serve them. Don't be so high and mighty that you sit on a high chair and have true compassion around. That is nothing else but aggrandizing your vanity and your ego, and you stick out like a sore thumb, a separate entity. Merge with the divine in your life. Narendrath was present there. This very concept of serving your fellow being as manifestation of the divine, 
went into his head. There was a small break for smoke and etc. He came out. One of the elder devotees was him, Vijay Krishna Goswami, and Swamiji said, I have heard a world-shaking idea today. If God will sit, I will carry the absolutism of Vedantic principles, which was confined to the hills and the dales and the forest with a handful of exclusive people. Sri Ramakrishna has brought it down from the forest and spread it to each and everyone. Vedanta teaches to see the divine everywhere and interact with the divine as a devoted, dedicated servant of God. And later on, in this very country, Swamiji proclaimed, those days are gone where the giver used to stand up and give and the receiver used to kneel down and receive. Those days are gone. Now let the giver kneel down and give. Let the receiver stand up and receive. Why? The receiver is giving the giver an opportunity to serve God in human form. Look at the idea, brilliance of that idea. That very idea, serving whole humanity as a manifestation of the divine, Swami Vivekananda, the later date, used the word Vedanta in daily practice. What is that? Vedanta teaches you, as we have been mentioning over and over again, there's one principle eternal existence. Call it by any name. Let us not get into that denominational conflict. Let us go above the denomination. One eternal spirit is manifesting in its universal diversity. And I, as an ordinary human being, I re-educate myself in such a manner that I focus my attention, seeing that face of yours, seeing your size and shape, knowing your name, your qualities, your utility and value, I stop there as of now. Educate yourself to develop that penetrative attention when I see the spirit residing in you and that spirit resides in me and we are one and the same, the children of the divine. This has to be practiced in our day-to-day -day life. How could he practice that? Swami Vivekananda in his later life made it abundantly clear the essence of all religious teachings and he named it as a philosophy of karma yoga. Karma yoga. What karma is the performance of your duty. As we are born in this human society, 
the way we are brought up, we have a built-in understanding. These are my duties of life. There's not a single person under the sun who does not have that sense of duty. Sense of duty, sense of liability, sense of obligation, and also a little freedom, sense of my hobbies. If you analyze your flow of life, you will find these are the directions that your life flows. Unfortunately, <clears throat> nobody has taught me this flow of life need not stop. But there can be an attitudinal correction. The attitude with which I am conducting my flow of life can be corrected. The perspective can be changed. The understanding can be clear. And I continue my flow of life. And while my life is flowing, I build up that attitude in me my life is flowing in fulfillment of my sense of duty, my sense of liability, my spirit of obligation, and my hobbies. Why don't I, instead of pursuing these as a victim of my thoughts, why don't I change them over as an endless service to the divine? Attitudinal correction. Correction of your attitude. Now let us see what is our attitude as of today. To fulfill my ambition to gain three things. Wealth and power and pelf that goes with it. Bittaishana, the desire to be wealthy, rich and all that follows. That is one attitude of mine. Jashishana, what is that? Let people speak highly of me. Let them appreciate me. Let them admire me. Let them approve me. Let them pick me up at the pedal of being worshipped. That's what I do. And the third is, I would like to leave such an indelible mark in this society that I am never forgotten. That is why in old age, people start foundation and trust in name of such and such, such and such. And <laughs> because they want to be remembered, not forgotten. These are the three cardinal motivations which motivate a human being. But all of us know it is uncertain whether I'll succeed or not. All of us know whether I'll succeed or not is a big question mark. And I'm spending my time, my life energy, and everything in pursuit of something which is elusive. <clears throat> 
because nobody is sure whether I'll be rich or not. Even if I'm rich, the stock market crashes. <laughs> so, let us stop for a while, be a bit commonsensical. I am spending my life's energy, my life's time, to try and achieve something which is not sure. Is it a wise way to invest my energy and life's time? Let us ask ourselves. Whereas, in return, the attitudinal correction comes in now. In return, without chasing after wealth, power and pelf, without chasing after reputation, appreciation, admiration, approbation, without chasing after not being forgotten in this world, why don't I convert my life into an endless reverential interaction with the awareness of presence of the divine in my life? All religions teaches us, all denomination teaches us, God is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. He is everywhere. There's not a speck of space where God is not. There's not an iota of time where he does not exist. All of us believe that. Not don't think of denomination. All denominations think that. The highest common factor is God is and he can be interacted with. So instead of pursuing these cardinal desires of mind, Bitvaishana, power and pelf and wealth, Jashvaishana, that is reputation, admiration, approbation, and the third is I leave an indelible mark when the world will not forget me. Let us now think on another way. What is that way? We all know what worship is. Let us be very, very, very commonsensical and smart. No woolly-headed idea is acceptable. We all know what is worship. May I define what worship is? Worship is a well-restrained, disciplined, physical activity. You show the light, you show the incense, you show the flower and this and this, and you offer a physical activity motivated by the awareness of presence of God in a serviceful attitude. I am offering to God. Physical, emotional, rational. All three activities are combined together to interact with the awareness of the presence of the divine in this constrained place. Four walls of a place of worship. We know God is everywhere. As soon as you walk out of it, God sees to be presented by mind. Why? I'm habituated thinking that way. 
I've created a habit. How did the habit form? Repetitive, similar activity done over and over and over again, willfully creates habit. As simple as that. Now, why don't I educate myself and create a new habit? Whatever I do, I give myself a little time, a little time. Oh, I have to do this. I have to speak to the devotees. Wait a minute. Let me make it here. The, God, the divine is present everywhere. And I have to speak, not to educate, not to teach, but to serve them. Because God is here, God is everywhere. And I am now, as a pursuer of perfection, a pursuer of excellence, a pursuer of correctness and thoroughness, I do it perfectly and offer myself to God. My life is flowing. I'm not stopping my life. The life flows. Those three cardinal desires have lost their hold on me. What has got hold of me? A pursuer of perfection, pursuer of correctness, pursuer of excellence, and awareness of presence of the divine in me and everywhere. My whole life is transformed into a concept of worship. Now, dears, there are two words in English, work and worship. Now, let us analyze commonsensically. Forget about all those philosophical cliches. Make use of your sharp, robust common sense. I am working professionally. Say, for instance, you are a lawyer. You have to protect your client's interest. So, you get out your manual of laws and etc., etc., and you read. You are physically active. You are emotionally involved and rationally absolutely absorbed. That is what the concept of work is. Involvement with physical activity, emotional activity, and rational activity. All professions call for this involvement. What is worship? You stand in front of this altar, and the additional awareness is presence of the divine. You are physically active, you are emotionally involved, and rationally convinced. The difference between work and worship is awareness of the presence of the divine in your life. Now you know, you admit, you have all said, God is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. There's not a speck of space where he is not. There's not an iota of time where he doesn't exist. He's all the time everywhere. Then, 
why confine your concept of worship within the four walls of a place of worship? Why don't you break open these walls? Let the whole world be a place of worship because there is no speck of space where God is not. It's an attitudinal correction. It emanates from here. I re-educate myself to feel the presence of the divine every moment of my life. And my life is an endless interaction with respect, with reverence, with deep abiding love for my God. And I start interacting with God every moment of my life. The mundane work has been converted into a spiritual activity known as worship. This is the new concept of Vedanta in day-to-day -day practice enunciated by this divine trinity who lived a life and example, Sri Ramakrishna, Swami Vivekananda and the Holy Mother Sri Sharda Devi. Sri Ramakrishna was happy to teach and finally he said, Noreen Desh Bideshe Dak Padbi. Parbi, a typical colloquial village idiom. What does it mean? Nor in a time will come in a stentorian voice speak to the whole world. That he did. Still doing today. Because before he passed away, what did he say? It may be required that I cast off this body as a disused garment, garment, garment. It may be required I cast off this body as a used garment so that I can work for all times everywhere till the world comes to know it is one with God. That is what his mission was. And he's laid his life for that mission, that the world should know it is one with God. How? By converting the mundane karma bhogi life into a life of a karma yogi. There are two words in Sanskrit there, karma bhog and karma yoga. Bhoga means experiencing or suffering. The attitude with which we live, that attitude makes us a slave of mood swings. Like a pendulum we swing between happiness and unhappiness. When my desire is fulfilled, I am happy. When my desire is not fulfilled, I am happy. That's all. And not only that, I curse God for my own stupidity. That is how my life flows. Karma Yoga means be in communion with God through the performance of your daily activities. It is an education, dear, and an education which is self-imposed education. I would like to reach that goal to live in God, with God, 
for the sake of serving God. That too by the blessings of God. Nothing but God in my life. That is the concept of karma yoga. That is, we don't have to change anything, my dear friends. You don't need to be as escapist. You don't need to be a defeatist. You don't need to go in exile in banishment in the name of religion. It is right at your door. Only thing is, you have to re-educate yourself to convert your flow of life into an endless spirit of reverential, respectful, deeply loving interaction with the awareness of presence of God in your life. It's not too tall a claim. It's a matter of habit. It doesn't cost you a penny. It doesn't cost you a penny. All it costs you a little alertness, a little awareness that I from now onwards will never forget the presence of the divine everywhere and re-educate myself to develop that attention, that in-depth focus of understanding when I penetrate your physical form and identify the spirit which resides in you, that very spirit resides here, that very spirit resides everywhere. This is what happens. Deha abhimane galite vijnate paramatmani yatra yatra manojati tatra tatra param padam drishyate. This is from our scriptures. The state that is waiting for you to achieve. What is that state? That state is Deha Abhimane Galite. This body consciousness has disappeared. I have now saturated my whole being with the awareness of presence of the divine. My beloved, my God my all in all in life, sonambunam of life. Deha abhimane galiti. And I am totally surrendered to him. Thy will be done. I don't exist. I exist because he exists. That is my awareness of my existence. Deha abhimane galiti. That is, this body consciousness, this awareness of I am an individual, egocentric, separatist existence, sticking like a sore thumb in this world, that has disappeared. So have I converted myself into a piece of stone or a piece of timber? No. Abhede vijnate paramatmani. You have identified yourself with the eternal existence, the divine. He is and I am. His isness is paramount in my life. He is, I am. Abhede Paramatmani. There is no separation between him and you. You have identified yourself 
by lifting yourself from your misconception, misidentification, and you put yourself there, identifying yourself with the divine. What happens to you? Do you grow two horns and a long tail in a human body to prove that you are a realized soul? What happens to you? Nothing happens to you, dear. You remain as you are. There is a change here. Jatra Jatra Mano Jati. Wherever and wherever your mind grows, your eyes fall, you hear all your five sense organs, they acquire reactions from the world. They only react with this idea, the divine is, I am. And I see the divine everywhere. That is the goal of this informative study, which converts itself into education, which is instructive how you turn over your way of living, and this is the goal. You will be one with God. As Swami says, I will work everywhere for all times to come till the whole world knows it is one with God. And we can, without moving an inch from our way of life, let the life flow, only bring in the awareness or presence of the divine in your life. And that sorts all problems of humanity. We then can call ourselves the children of the divine. And that is what the Upanishads say. Srinantu Vishwe Amritasya Putra Ami Dhamani Divabhyani Tattu O children of this universe, please kindly listen to me. I have achieved that level of awareness where I have experienced that we are all the children of immortal bliss, Amritasya Putra. And I speak from my own authority. I have experienced that. And with that unstoppable authority of his own experience, he proclaims to the world, don't think yourself a sinner. Don't you think yourself a frail, weak human being. The potential divinity is already within you. All you need to do is to manifest that divinity which is already within us. Vedanta in practice in the form of Karma Yoga to transform our life from a mundane flow of life, egocentric expectations from the world, please convert it into an endless service to the divine. And the process of divinization is nothing else but process of saturating your own being. As sugar is saturated, water is dissolved in water, and water gets totally saturated with sugar. Sugar is not seen. The water is sweetened. You saturate your personality with the awareness of the presence of the divine every moment of your life. That is why 
the meditative part of life and the active part of life must join hand together. You meditate undisturbed, always being aware of the presence of the divine within you. And having achieved that, you see the divine in your workplace. Don't sit on judgment, don't say who is wicked, who is wrong, who is bad, who is good. Have that samadarshi, that is, have the same attitude. It is God's world, he is playing his game, and I am a spectator of that game, a part of God's play. This, dear, is the end of pursuit of Vedanta philosophy, in practice, converting your life into an endless worship of the Divine instead of endless pursuit of transitory ephemeral goal. Thank you, dears. Thank you ever so much. <coughs> oh, no, it's not required. It's not required. Don't disturb the ambience of the place. What I wanted to tell you, May the blessings of the Divine be endlessly showered on all of us so that we can be worthy vehicles of translating the noble philosophy of Vedanta into our day-to-day -day practice and enjoy indescribable divine ecstasy. That is the end of this journey. Thank you, dears. Thank you. That's it.